And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Good day, and thank you for hitting the download. Welcome to another episode of When Did That Come Out? An ongoing two-man journey of covering an entire year of film and 12 movies that came out for every month of that year. I'm your host, Charlie Stabile, joined, as always, by my good friend, William Rankin. Will, how the hell are you, bud? That was good. That was a that was a Brett, that was a very Brett Michaels esque opening to uh, Poison. There, I like that. Yeah, let's do <sighs> this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's coming. <laughs> oh, this old dog again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyway, it's uh, September of 1986, and we are looking today at the bafflingly successful Crocodile Dundee. Uh, so let's start with. Uh, start with the obvious thing but let's start with what this movie always seems to get categorized as the fish out of water comedy um well are you a, are you a fan of this of this phrase like because me personally i think it can be applied to too many things yeah it can i mean virtually I, i'd say a majority of movies have a fish out of water concept and that's mm-hmm. like on the surface like that's what's intriguing like that's what incites conflict humor you know things like that. It's an easy way to incite those type of things uh, within a story is to have a person not in their element, and you know how they how they interact with people that is both again conflict raising and also humor raising, like which is mostly what we've got with Crocodile Dundee. I mean, man, it can be done real well. I mean, let's face it; like it is one of the oldest. I mean, you go back to a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Like it is go. one of the oldest, you know, tropes in storydom. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, on the one hand, it can be brilliant, and on the other hand, it can be this. Well, it, they can't all be Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, so it's true. we have we have Crocodile Dundee. So Paul Hogan, um, who it seems to me at least, and it always did, he just he was he was a film actor in Australia, correct? Yes, yes, he was, and like, and, and he he seemed like kind of a dude who kind of did everything over there. Like he ran the show and was in the show, and and it was very much like a sketch comedy esque type of show that he had in Australia. And then this was the this was the one that broke it out here, bringing yeah, bringing a lot. Cause I didn't realize how many of those dudes he brought with him to do this movie. Hell, he brought Peter Feynman. Yeah, yeah, Peter Feynman, the director of the movie. Who I mean, oh man. Okay, this guy this guy directed Dutch, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on him too much, but um, after that he 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 never directed again, <laughs> and you can probably attribute that to the fact that, that movie was a huge bomb. Crocodile Dundee is almost the exact, in fact, it is the exact opposite. Um, Paul Hogan, it's it's I've always kind of found it strange that he seemed to get this kind of not just overnight success, but there's no question in my mind about it. He was the top, one of the top actors uh, in terms of, of revenue at the time. Because it's not like this was the only hit. Um, even, even the first sequel did relatively well. You know, like the, uh, the shine hadn't worn off of him yet. Which is always a tricky thing I find with fish out of water comedies. Is that in reality you can really only be a fish out of water once. Right, like you can send Axel Foley back to Beverly Hills and Los Angeles. You can do that two or three times, and what you think of the movie is what you think of it. But it'll never be as fresh and as inventive as it was the first time. Right, and and that first Beverly Hills Cop is so clever and fun to watch, and just just in how he deals with people. And Crocodile Dundee, it takes a different approach, <laughs> I find. Because, because Axel Foley, at his heart, is a con man, and he's always pulling the wool over people's eyes. Crocodile Dundee is just—he's like a, a newborn baby. I, I find like like it, it's it's comical for me at first the things that he doesn't quite understand, but there are some things that I I just it was almost getting into the realm of 
of ridiculousness. Like, he really hasn't heard of that. Really. You know, like that kind of thing. Did, did you find it all, it all believable? Um, you know, I, 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 I'll be honest. Like, what I really focused on with him and when he comes... Which, by the way, like, my God, how long does it take him to finally get to America? Good God. I timed it. It's like, what, 45 minutes? 43. It is, it is almost literally the halfway point. It's incredible. It's, a, it's like they took two different movies... And they cut them both in half, and then they put the the two two of those four together and made one movie. You know, when I texted you earlier, like I felt like there was like more of a reason why he was in New York. Something else that was like a like I almost thought it became kind of an action movie in New York. I don't know why. Right. Well, the second movie, uh, from what I recall, I've only seen that one once. That one is an action movie, um, which I mean, which is hilarious to me because that one got a PG rating, while this one was stuck with a PG thirteen. No, and, and you know, after rewatching this movie, I'm still not 100 percent sure I know why he goes to New York. I, everything and is that's, very vague. And you know what? Like we've talked about throughout this season of of when did that come out? Like we always come back to like what's the conflict? Why why do we care? We've talked about you that. You saw my we, note, didn't you? Yeah. Exactly. Where is the conflict? Exactly. Like, where is it? I kept reimagining like this movie done like in 2017, where it's this. There, and 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 I kept thinking of like you know, there's got there would be a deeper reason why he would come to New York. You know, there would be more of a conflict between him and Sue, which is which what was what was hilarious to me as well is like not only does he have no conflict in really New York to be honest, he has no real like banter. Like, you know, screwball comedy type of banter with Sue is just sort of like, yep, I'm going to take you out here and uh, look, we're just, there's no like, they they force with one hand, they do it, they do this ridiculous, they do it one time and he's like, you're a city gal, you can't make it out here. Well, I'll show you. And she walks, you know, like 50 feet and has a drink. She's completely (laughs) just (laughs) incapable of taking care of herself. Right. Cause then you notice like crocodiles in those th- that scene is so weird because just before that like and I it's it, Paul Hogan's acting fine then all of a sudden he's like you know what I'm cut I'm shaving with a regular razor yep I'm gonna do my big knife and then he breaks out the knife and yeah, th- there are lots of weird little moments like that where I'm not quite sure like I, I like in any other movie I'd go oh he's trying to impress her that's what but I was I, thinking I but, but I can't tell right right yeah okay I'm glad I'm not the only one it's it because yeah. I mean, to the people listening to this, it sounds like we discussed this in, like in depth before we come on here. But no, like this is, this I think is one of the reasons why we get along so well is that we see the same kind of stuff and it bothers us. Like, like you know, what would have been a great gag. Like the thing he puts the razor back in his belt and it's sticking out right there. Like if he's really trying to impress her, he'd be shaving with the knife. He notices that she's the entire ab- time. He notices she's completely oblivious. And so then when he kind of puts it up and he walks back towards her, she turns around and, like, he would quickly try and get rid of the razor, you know, to try to look like a tough guy still. But they don't do anything with it. It just dies. The bit just right. dies. It feels like it's the beginning of a bit, and then the show is canceled before they can even get through the first episode. <laughs> and and I, I think my biggest problem with the movie is Sue. I, like, okay. I am Okay, let's, let, let's talk about that character. Because I, I do not, I do not remember her doing the, these kinds of things. I don't like, I, I've always liked Linda Kozlowski. I've always liked her in these movies. It's the character. I do not like her in this movie. This, so let's start. This is a, oh yeah. Okay. Let's start with yeah. the, let's go from the get go. I think the opening bit is great. I love when a movie just launches you into something. She yep. gets a call. You're, this is what you're going to go do. One thing I think already, like she has no conflict herself. I think it would have been much better if she was forced to go and get this story. Then oh, sure. like then she, she's against her will, and she right. gets won over exactly by the charm of right. yeah. Because I, I was trying to think of, of things that, that like the ways that this could have been so much more interesting and so much better. And of course, like the thing that I always would forget about was how long he's actually in Australia with. Right. And it's like we just it this this whole thing with in Australia. This should be ten to fifteen minutes. This is your act one. Right. And it's, because exactly. the whole point is to get to New York. Right. That's you, you don't see any like like I don't know why I thought of this, but Vegas vacation. It doesn't take Chevy Chase an hour to get the family to Vegas. You know, it's 
Let's, it, here's a good example too. Mall rats. The first cut of mall rats, it took 30 minutes for uh, for TC and for uh, for Jason Lee's character to get to the mall. And, you know, the, the notes that came back were like... You're talking about the director's cut. Right. And mm-hmm. then the notes came back and they were like, it, for a movie called Mall Rats, they need to be in the mall much quicker. So 20 That's minutes of the movie was gutted. So within 10 minutes of the movie, you've got... You've got TC, and again, I keep Jason Lee's character's name is slipping my mind real quick. But they um, they end up uh, at the mall with like in a quicker time period, and that's what should have happened here. Instead, it's just bizarre, like how much time we spend here. And the thing is, like when you look at like where we start and where we end with the bit in Australia, what have we? What has been gained? Well, it doesn't seem like much because again, getting back to Linda Kozlowski. Like she clearly is attracted to to Paul Hogan or to Mick Dundee, which we all are, because he's you know he is an he's asshole. very charming. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> and you know by the end of it, yep, they have a they have a nice long kiss. But then the next scene, yep, she's just jumping right into the arms of Richard. Yeah. <laughs> in the and inter- does it bother? Does it bother Crocodile Dundee? Not really. Know. That's I the can't th- tell. I, maybe not. I, you're right. You know he he just seems to. You know, like water off a duck's back. Like he's that kind of guy. He's just like, ah, well, you know, he just he just he just kind of go, goes and does his own thing. Which I I'll admit, like that's that's a very like that's something that I think most guys would just aspire to be, or they think that they're like that. We just go, nah, it doesn't bother me. It's just a chick, you know. But it's I don't know. It's it's hard to come to terms with, at least for me, simply because of the where of where the movie goes later on. Where it's like, oh he, oh he did care, and it's really, it's not really a knock on him. It's more a knock on her, and right. Her character. I don't it, understand her character. Exactly. That first, like, so if we, if we kind of summarize her first forty-five minutes, she's just, she's apparently a great, like, for somebody who's such a good journalist. Apparently, why wouldn't you just be like, just angry that I'm having to go spend? I'm a city gal. I'm having to go spend time in the wilderness with just some just some dude you know who wrestles around with alligators you know that's where this movie that that's what i feel like it needed and of course what's gonna be funny is by the end of this despite all our criticisms we're gonna get to a big gigantic number that this movie made that was astronomical but before we get there like you summarize her first 45 minutes and i was like well i'm just kind of attracted to this guy and uh well maybe i'll take him to new york and we'll see what happens and and i'm dating a guy i'm dating my editor Right. Back in New York, but I'm not telling him. I'm not telling uh, Mick Dundee about it. And I the, won't tell him about dude, it. Dude, the craziest revelation is like what? Like over an hour into the movie? Oh yeah, my dad owns the paper. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, I did not even remember that. I was just like, okay, let's uh, let's add another character. Maybe this one's interesting. Uh, it's just and, and 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 let's let's talk about Richard for a second. This I hate this kind of writing. Yes, he is not a bad guy until he has to be. Right. You know, it's like if you're going to make a one-dimensional character, then commit to it fully because he is not a bad dude until it gets to the to the restaurant scene where there's a really clever line of dialogue that Kozlowski gives to him where um, she's looking at him when he's sitting at the bar and she says, oh, you've been here a while, which you know, implies that she knows that he's been sitting there just drinking. Yes. So, which I, I I thought that was that's one of the more interesting lines in the flick, and then it gets to the to the dinner scene and he, let's oh, God I hate to make this little transition here because uh, I want to talk about Richard Moore but anytime Paul Hogan in this movie I don't know why this is anytime he is about to do something physical whether it's stab a crocodile cut a hoodlum's shirt or punch Richard the editing it's robs wow. us. it's so it, weird. I yeah, don't understand. It, it robs us completely of oh of, of that emotional moment of every single one. You see the split. You see a. You, you might see two frames of him stabbing that crocodile. Right. But that's it. <laughs> I know? wrote for the dinner scene. I was like, punch? Question mark? Headbutt? What question was mark? that? I don't know what he did. Like, did he? Uh, I don't know where he hit him. I don't know why that would make Richard just become an absolute buffoon. Yes, I know he was. I know he was drinking during the, the the scene but i mean it, it wasn't like he was drunk i mean i've seen i've seen drunk believe me and this guy was i mean he was just tipsy and but that punch for some reason amped up the alcohol level in his bloodstream yeah and, yeah because they get in the cab 
And she's like, oh, you punched Richard. And, and that's what he said. He goes, ah, you're not going to marry that lemon, are you? And, and Richard's just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Richard's going to say something really derogatory to uh, Dundee, but he doesn't. He's, he's still an affable guy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so weird. She is just Because bizarre. this would be your antagonist. Yeah, and right. this is like, what's crazy is like, uh, we talk about the absence of conflict. The only like surfacing conflict is in this little cab ride. And then it's just evaporated quickly. Like it's, it doesn't, it never carries be, be, over. Right. Because we need to see Dundee interact with more New Yorkers. Oh yeah. Which like, of course, like, you know, including our favorite Argyle Powell who shows oh, up. Oh, no. <laughs> Al Powell, Carl Winslow. And uh, once again, like, I, you know, it sounds, it sounds like we're just trashing this movie. Uh, there isn't a thing that Reginald Vell Johnson can't do. Any, anything I've ever seen him in, he's perfect. And he does fine in this part. I'm actually glad that he had as big a part as he did because this is hell. This is pre Die Hard. Could you imagine you know? if Argyle and him switched places in Die Hard, where Argyle? I don't think it would have worked out too well. Was the cop and Reginald Vell Johnson was Argyle in the in the limo rocking out, talking to the teddy bear? <laughs> <laughs> you know the number. Use it. <laughs> I know a couple of mama bears we can hook up with. I cannot. I cannot see him saying that line um so oh man i i can't i can't help but compare this to beverly hills cop i just because it's just the way that they did it that's the way that's the way it worked because axel foley is using i i mean i mean he's he, he takes advantage of people and he uses it for you know for his own advantage and it's hilarious to watch but croc you know that's fun but crocodile dundee all he does is just I I'm ignorant. I don't know anything. I'm I'm stupid. It's just over. And I'll, I, he sexually assaults two people. Which dude? And, I I wrote down. I was like, no way you could do this in 2017. Oh, you, there's no there's no way you would get away with this. I felt horrible I for I the uh, for the gay character that was dressed up as a woman that he did it. The first person he did it to. I mean, I felt genuinely bad. I'm like, okay, I want to leave this movie and go watch her movie or his movie or whatever. Because like you know that that's going to be a rough night for that person. Yes. But then it's even stranger, man, because then he comes across. I mean, Jesus, like B. Arthur. I mean, I mean that's, that's that's all I that's all I could think of. Brian but, Arthur. <laughs> and totally gropes her, and I was like, oh, not this again. But what got me the second time was uh, Kozlowski just kind of didn't really say anything or do anything like didn't tell him not to do that that's not what we do in america she just kind of let it go like oh well now you know yeah didn't affect her in one way I, d- yeah. isn't it awesome too like just how like casual she is about cocaine mm. oh man don't you love the 80s <laughs> I like, mean, it was like the obligate like this movie hits the greatest hits of the 80s in terms of wealth opulence does. drugs uh transvestites uh mm-hmm. gay everything Everything. Uh, oh God! They say uh, I'm definitely not saying this word, not the F word, but the other F word. Right. Which the is, new F word. Yeah, it's basically the new F word, and it it really threw me. It was like that. It was like when I was 16, and I just happened to finally catch Mel Gibson's line in, Le- in the first Lethal Weapon <laughs> when they when they run away from the house, and he pats Roger on the shoulder, and he says the exact same word, and it just. I don't know why I've never heard that in any of my other viewings, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. but the, the way this guy said it, I was like, oh, don't don't do that. And I mean, the movie's very much a product of its time. Uh, in in those kinds of references, the cocaine scene actually made me just. I mean, I'll be honest, it just made me sad. I was like, that poor guy. Yeah, I what like I love the rando that just rolls up on him when he's got his hand rolled cigarette and thinks it's a joint. Oh God! <laughs> just the way the way it's done. It, I actually just flat out just threw up my hands and I said, well, if the movie's not going to let me in on it, then oh, I'm not going to bother. Because <laughs> it's clearly a hand-rolled cigarette. Right. And then this person walks by Dundee, who clearly looks like that they've partaken in this in, in marijuana before, and yet they <laughs> takes a drag off of it and... And like gives the compliments to the chef, <laughs> and, and I was like, "Well, is it weed or not?" <laughs> so confused. Oh God, it's it's just it's just nonstop. Because when I was a kid, like thinking about this movie, 
like I, I would always think of it uh, in okay, there's there's the Australia bit, which I thought was a lot shorter when I was a kid, and then there's the New York bit. I like the New York stuff a lot more because I finally got to see him there. I'm not gonna lie, this time when I watched it, I preferred the Australia stuff. Yeah, man, it, it I mean, felt more honest and more from the heart, if yeah. I, or as, as as to the heart as you can possibly get it with that script. Because I mean, it's not, I, I was like, oh, maybe we'll get some kind of like before sunset type of dialogue between the two where they can just like just have Jesus. a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, oh man, I oh, I was I was just hoping for way too much, uh, because what, the things that they say aren't really that important. Um, Dundee, I mean, Paul Hogan, he's. Uh, it has to be said, uh, regardless of any other thing that he's done, he is so good in this movie, um, and not not only is he good, but the chemistry between him and Linda Kozlowski is I've always yeah, been kind of fascinated. It, I mean, with. It's, and, they, I mean, and, they got married exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why it was so good, and that's why you know she, they they did all three of these things together, but. It's it's for me at least it's not enough to sustain a movie. At least Axel Foley had Billy Rosewood, John Taggart, Bogomil, and Serge. Like there was a cast of characters that supported the 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 fish that was out of the water. Right, and I'm, I mean, like the problem is still like there was no conflict in Australia, and there's nope. there's there's very little in New York. Like <laughs> the scene that just boggled me was, you know, like, um, and we haven't even gotten to that's not a knife, but. You know, when they get uh, when they get to the marriage proposal, which we've seen this a billion times in movies, where the other guy feels like they have to pull a drastic measure. Move. Yeah, this. All right, we got this. Is my this is my hail mary to keep the guy who sh- who's probably going to steal my girl out of the picture, and so he pulls us. And usually, like what the Linda Koslowski character, what Sue would do in any other movie, is sort of like oh, uh, like she would have like a, a really strong you know, pensive, almost negative reaction, like, oh, n- wait. Not uh, this movie. No. What was up with that reaction? I, I sat there, and I was I was really confused. I was like, so she wanted to marry him? Kind movie, of? Movie, just come out and tell me what's happening. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I, I don't... I, I just... Uh, I, it, I'm right there with you. And I thought they missed a golden opportunity in that scene to save it with editing, where... She accepts the marriage proposal. This is what happens in the movie. She accepts the marriage proposal, and then she looks over at Dundee, and he's already talking to another girl. And she and Kozlowski gets this really sad look on her face and looks away. And then Dundee moves his eyes and looks at her. And I'm like, oh, okay, now now they're going to show me a shot of of uh, of uh, Sue Charlton just looking down and not looking at Dundee. It's it, That would be great. It would right. just be like a misconnection. Right. But no, they don't give me that that other edit of her looking down and not meeting his eyes. You know, it just, it, oh, it made me so mad. <laughs> and like, and like, and like his, cause like, this is usually the moment in these types of movies where, you know, it, everything has to come together. And then at some point around an hour to an hour, 10, if it's like a, you know, hundred minute movie, things have to fall apart for our main character and whoever they're trying to get with it has to fall apart. So that in act three, it all comes back together. And so right. it falls apart for him by, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go tie one on and uh, get in a fight with a pamp where, uh, and then, and then Argyle, you know, pal has to come save him. <laughs> right. Um, I thought it was really interesting because right when that dinner scene starts where the marriage proposal happens, I paused the movie and I happened to look at the time and it was an hour 17. This is a 97 minute movie. Now, before that dinner scene starts, everything is perfectly fine. You know, everything is going very well for everybody, all things considered. And and I just couldn't help but think, okay, with credits, there's 15 minutes left in this movie. This is going to be a very fast and interesting 15 minutes where things are going to have to fall apart. And you know what we completely gloss over is, like, before this, they have a very intense kiss. Probably do a lot more than that, too, after the, the you know, that's not an off, this is an off rescue. Oh, or, yeah. Or, you know, uh, mugging. Uh, you know, thing she's, that happens. She's uh, she's turned on by near death experiences. These are not women to to hold on to. Yeah, it, I just are, this is like Bella Swan type crap. I can't decide <laughs> if like they they tried to write like a strong female you know character or just a really what's what, what's a female? I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I it's a 
it's underserving for her, and it's really a shame because I do I I gen I like her as an actress in the movie, but I hate I her character too. so. You know much. who's a better character cut from the same cloth is um, and done better is in a very in the around the same time period as Kathleen Turner in Romancing the Stone. Yeah, see, it's a m- much better written version or, or archetype of the same type of character. Like, all right. Here's what's funny, like Crocodile Dundee, like money wise, is a just a monster of a movie. It's a just a yeah. monster. Like it's got it. It made. <laughs> I mean, this is embarrassing. It was an eight million dollar movie and it made over three hundred. Like, yeah, I know. Well, well, hold on. Let's talk about that for a second. It didn't just make three hundred. Okay, so it made one hundred and seventy four in the U.S. And like you're thinking, okay, this is a movie that's going to appeal to the the United States, uh, everyone that's in the United States and Australia. And Australia doesn't have, you know, that big of a population. So where the hell did the rest of this money come from? I don't know. I mean, that's... Was it China? Like, like, I don't know any other country that would go, oh, that looks amazing. Because I watched the, the trailer that was on the Blu-ray. It's not a good trailer. Right. It's not good. It's, and here's, here's another thing about this movie. It's, and it's not to say that it's not uh, a comedy or it's not funny. But this is the highest-grossing comedy of 1986, and it's not that funny. And what I mean by that is the script isn't that funny in that they're not necessarily going for jokes. Not really, I don't think. It's, it's a very flat script. You know, like, there's usually these little beats and, and crescendos and... and these moments that you remember from a movie there's like after a week there's probably two i might remember from crocodile dundee i don't see how this is an out and out comedy like this grossed more than ferris bueller right right and the thing is like i was like well the runtime and i was like well the runtime is you know pretty good for it. it's 97 you know like you said like it's a it's a solid you know it's it i mean you know they're gonna you could squeeze a lot of showings into it i mean the sure. one the, the the things that help it are it is both appealing to kids and to adults. It has that kind of double appeal to it. To where he's kid, a good role model, right? He, I mean, honestly, is he? He has like a, a ter. I hate his quote though. If you look on his Wikipedia page, like how, you know, it's uh, he he, he kind of throws Terminators and all that stuff under the bus, um, at the hey, expense of his say character. What you, say what you want about a Terminator. A Terminator never sexually assaulted somebody. Yeah, exactly. They'll just kill you <laughs> and then go to work yeah, on they'll you. They'll just kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know what's because I was thinking about this the whole time. Like a movie that I think is almost like you want to talk about like an American attempt at remaking this movie was the Cowboy Way from the oh with Kiefer and Woody. Yeah, and like what's, yeah. what's wild is as a as a story, it's much stronger than it this is a movie. better movie. I, I used to watch that on the yeah. free uh, Showtime weekends, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it made sense. <laughs> I know what will get people to subscribe. The <laughs> Cowboy Way. <laughs> Even as a kid, I thought it was so weird. I'm just like, I like this movie, but I don't know anyone who's seen this. <laughs> My mom loved The Cowboy Way. She it was a good movie. movie. And, it and was the thing fun. was, everything made sense. Like, is and as ridiculous as that sounds, like, it made, like, there was a, there was a good reason why... Woody and Kiefer are in New York. There's also a good reason why they have heat between them. You know, uh-huh. so you have those two things working parallel to each other and eventually have to be resolved at the same time, so to speak. And 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 that works. But what's funny is Crocodile Dundee doesn't have any of that. And it made like what three, four, five, six, seven times as much money. <laughs> I mean, this has got to compete with like deep throat in terms of gr- of like gross versus budget. Yeah. <laughs> like, like this is so I, I started thinking about it, you know, because the third movie was a bomb. But it, I, I honestly don't see how it matters. Be, in, between the, how much money the first movie made for Paramount, and then the second movie made a lot of money for Paramount, there's no loss here in terms of the of the franchise as a whole. This has to be one of the most profitable franchises of all time. When right. you look at the budget, no movie made that kind of money. How like, pres- especially a comedy back how f- then. Remember we talked about, also we texted, like, this movie has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the other two movies have what? Did you say 11? 11 apiece. Jeez. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, like, from what I remember, they're not that much worse. They're really not. Like, the, everyone likes to 
say, you know, that the, the second one's okay and the third one's garbage. And I'm just like, it's, they're all kind of the same every single time. You know, it's, it's not, it's not that different. And yeah. And to go back to, usually I start off by talk doing, doing this show by talking about, you know, what got us into this kind of thing in the first place. Uh, when I first got into Crocodile Dundee, it was when the, th- the third movie was coming out. And so that was right around the time I saw it, saw the third on the theater. I enjoyed it. You know, it was what it was, but I never revisited them. I never did over all these years until now. And man, I think I know why. Well, like <laughs> the, this, this movie is a product that, like it fits the eighties. Like it's, it's a perfect like kind of eighties movie because it is, it is making fun of the, the major pop culture aspects of the 1980s. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's bringing to light the fact that people just in the big cities just didn't want to talk to each other. They just want to kind of go straight ahead and live their lives. That's why we talk about the subway scene is actually really, really great. Yeah, so, let's, let, let, let's, let's hold off on that for a bit because I swear to God, they must – I feel like they pulled that from some Clark Gable movie. Like it's such a, <laughs> a classic Hollywood type of ending that's right. done so incredibly well. There, there was a controversy I found out that, that, that this surrounded this movie, and I and I was uh, keen to pay attention to it while I was watching it this time because I heard they actually resolved it when it came to the third movie, and I don't remember. Is Crocodile Dundee a poacher? That's a good question because we it's see, never really answered. Well, because we we see him just wipe out. He'll wipe out alligators, but at the same time. Like well, well, wipe, well, well, the one that he wiped out, that one had to go. Right. And the one that got his leg, because that's what this whole movie's about. Right. Um, the one that got his leg, that one had to go also. But you know, they the find the kangaroo these, scene. That's remember I, he had, uh, yeah he has I a line remember. in there. He has a line in there because like she's like, "Aren't you going to stop them?" He's like, There's "Nothing against the law about it." Like he does not want right. to get involved. Like he's just sort of like, "Yep, yeah, that's what happens." But then I got to impress the girl. Right. You can see it on his face. It's actually a nice little bit of subtle acting from Paul Hogan. But the way he goes about it's kind of weird. I'm going to hold up this dead kangaroo and make it look like it's shooting. It was very morbid, <laughs> I thought. Yeah. And, but it's played for laughs. You know, so it's whatever. But, I mean, they're finding, like, uh, guns in his boat, uh, shells. Uh, it's it's this weird thing that, that makes it somewhat difficult to uh, t- to fully embrace him and like him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it bothers me too incredibly much because I, other than the fact that you just said that, that one line that he had, which was, oh, there's, there's no law against it. Well, maybe he did do it, but it's, he's, crocodiles are terrible. Man, that, that's actually a really cool little scene, um, even though it kind of terrified me when he describes what a crocodile does to you. Because, not, not to go down this route, but it made me think of that story from, that happened in Florida last year. Because that's exactly what happened to that little kid. Yeah. Well, what he described, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it was it was a bit too much, but Hogan sold it. It's is so, Richard oh, is ahead. Richard the is Richard the bad guy? Because I can't help but think I would act exactly like he acts. <laughs> I would be pissed. The older I get, the more I, I hate this type of character. I hate this type of character. Why do you hate it? Because. I think it's it's just so lame that we have to make them just. It's like we have to go over the top at making them seem like the wrong guy, when it's like sure, like one movie where I love where it's I think it's handled very very well. For example, is is Proof of Life, which is kind of like a Casablanca take, where like oh sure, Russell Crowe wants to get with Meg Ryan, but David Morse is actually a really good guy. He's the one who's a captive, and he is having to fight like through hell just to survive in that prison camp and the thing is by the end of that movie yeah russell crowe is a badass man like he is lighting up these dudes and just just kicking the hell out of this out of this uh, terrorist organization and he saves david morse but meg ryan ends up with david morse and the thing is like i love like sometimes when like the other guy is still the right guy and they don't have to just ham him up with being just an awful antagonist you know, like right. here's like last good example from another comedy to give an example, Sweet Home Alabama. I was just gonna say that it's a movie that I cannot stand, but I always I will always remember it because of how they treated Patrick Dempsey's character mm-hmm. when when he tells her to leave and to go be with Josh Lucas. It's actually a it's the one moment in that movie that felt real where he knew what the right thing to do was, 
And it was very admirable because, like you said, it's so easy to do this to these types of characters. And you know when you usually see it? You usually see it when you're watching a movie where the guy you're supposed to be rooting for just isn't very interesting. Right. That's where you usually see it. So it's uh, – Crocodile Dundee is an interesting guy. I don't see why that – why that cliche, that trope, is necessary in this movie. Because the guy is fine. He seems like a good dude until until the script tells him that he can't be a good dude anymore. Right. One movie, the last one I'll give that, I was really impressed with how they handled this, was Something's Gotta Give with Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was great. Like He was a great dude. And then like by the end of it, he's just like, you know, even though he's taken Diane Keaton to Paris, he's like, yeah, you maybe you should go with Jack. Basically, and it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go back to the hotel, I guess, and cry for a while, and you get to go have old person sex or whatever. Or... Oh yeah, oh, what a scene! <laughs> but um, still, all right, go ahead, keep moving. Oh Jesus, uh, I, was, I was talking about some of the weird random edits that are in this movie in, involving uh, the combat that uh, Crocodile Dundee sees. I'm just gonna point this out for what it's worth. Every cut in the movie is is fine with the exception of those three that I mentioned where Dundee's doing something, but like transition scenes, they're, they're fine with, they got establishing shots. There is one that is just so glaringly awful that it just doesn't look like it belongs whatsoever. There is, and you have to be paying attention to catch it. For some reason, there is a transition that that begins with uh, a wipe, a wipe uh, edit goes (laughs) across the screen. I'm like, what is this star Wars? Yeah. I, I have not seen a wipe this entire movie, and I never saw it again. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. what the point was. Like it just the movie was just such a head scratcher. Which means there must have been something. There had to because I, I, yeah. I have to think there had to be a reason yeah, why they trickery. did it. Right. I feel like they had, there was there had to be a reason, and I'm sure they were just sort of like, well, yeah, no. I mean, no. If anyone really cares about this, they're probably doing a worthless podcast anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thirty years <laughs> from now. <Yeah>. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so i was uh i was at the um i was getting my car fixed today and i brought a book along with me best movies of the 80s uh i got it for christmas uh from my cousin allison and it's a pretty good book i've looked through some of it so i was like oh yeah crocodile yeah, this would be great uh yeah crocodile dundee is not in this book <laughs> wow <laughs> it really surprised me because yes the critical reception for this movie is through the roof it was a huge hit and th- that's a great little transition because let's talk about the awards because, oh, I, n- I did not know this. So Crocodile Dundee was nominated for Best Picture at the Golden Globes for a comedy. Of course it was. But Paul Hogan won a Golden Globe Award for portraying Crocodile Dundee in this film. Uh, I believe Kozlowski was nominated for a supporting actress and... Paul Hogan is an Oscar. He's an Oscar-nominated person. Let's just say that because it's not for acting. And you were telling me that he weaseled his way into the screen into the screenwriting credits. Yeah, this is something you hear about. You know, like again, like um, I I think I mentioned to you before, like the Wild Bunch has was Academy Award nominated for screenplay, but Sam Peckinpah, even though he's on there, was again a guy who did very, very, very little with the script, but did enough you know, to kind of weasel his way into getting officially credited. I don't know how it works for for writing. I'm not sure how that... I don't either. And there's four writers on this thing. Which tells you, like, you know... Rewrites. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Rewrites. And you never know. What the hell did you rewrite? There's some people who don't even get credited, and there was a rewrite Mm -hmm. in there, you know. So, I mean, the the thing is, like, it sounded, like, from all accounts, like, and and another good resource, like, you were talking about Crocodile Day in Los Angeles, like, there is... Matthew Barry and ESPN's like fantasy guru, like got kind of his start as breaking the business by being a screenwriter on Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, and and the stories from there echo what's been said about the this the one we're talking about where Hogan was kind of I was a major control freak and would yep. you know pretty much just whatever he had written down, eh, I'm gonna do it my way. I know what I'm doing, you know. Right. Golden Globe, but you know it's. It, it's it's kind of, it. This is all unfortunate. What sours the movie for me? I think in a way because I think about how much like how kind of unlikable in real life Paul Hogan kind of, I know. Kind of become over the years. It's you like know? it's like Crocodile Dundee is his own uh, idealized vision of himself. In a way, it's like this is this is how he 
how he thinks he probably is. I mean, his arrogance. He said, like, Crocodile Dundee was the first proper, like, successful Australian film. And I was just sort of like, how dare you, man? Like, dude. Mad, Mad Max? Like, The Road Warrior. Like, had, had the that, Road had, Warrior? that had come out, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely it had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you're telling me, like, like I mean, I get it. Your movie made a lot of money. But at the same time, like, when I think of, like... Like when I think of Australian cinema, I'm not gonna say I'm like uh, like an aficionado on it, but I'm not thinking of this. Hell, I think of Wolf Creek before I think of Crocodile Dundee. Uh, oh no! Yeah, and I mean that's not very good. It's got its moments. Well, don't get me wrong, but it's not very good. Well, it's it's interesting because you know, 30 years on, not too many people talk about Crocodile Dundee anymore. Hell, not too many people were talking about Crocodile Dundee when the third movie came out. Um, when I was in high school, nobody was talking about it really. Um, it doesn't, it's so weird how a movie can be such a huge gargantuan sized hit. And over the years, it just kind of fades from memory. And then there's something that came out this, the same year, like big trouble in little China, where people are still talking about that movie and still dissecting it. And that movie was a disaster at, at the box office. You know, it's 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 one of those things. It's just unexplainable. It's it's why you just you hate when people try to measure a movie's success based on its opening weekend. Like, think about where movies like beyond like of our you know of our last ten years or whatever, fifteen years. It's interesting how they're how either they've already started to decline in terms of popularity or whatever. Like, here's an example. Legally Blonde was massive at the time. Yep. And that was a fish-out-of-water comedy as well. It is a massive hit. And, and the sequel, just like Crocodile Dundee had its sequel that wasn't very good, it had one that really wasn't very good. And what's wild now is, like, it's a movie that's kind of, for the most part, forgotten. The only time it got really resurrected was when they were going to do a Broadway show for it. Right. And and it's like, you know, it's weird how these movies they a fish out of water comedy as easy as it is as a movie to do like man, they don't stick around always it feels like. Even like like I feel like my cousin Vinny, which is less less successful than Crocodile Dundee, has a little bit more staying power over the years than that. Oh, it absolutely has. No, oh, I oh, absolutely, dude. No, 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 no. I I I absolutely think that. Um good that's People still, I, I do, I, I still have conversations with people, and I still hear people talk about that movie. Um, hell, from what I've read, they show that movie in law school because <laughs> nice. Jonathan Lynn, because Jonathan Lynn was a real lawyer, and you know the director of the film, and uh, and he applied that to the film, and they always show the, the tape measure scene, uh, which is that might be the. <laughs> in terms of the traditional type of, of fish out of water comedy, that might be the the, the tops, at yeah, least man. for me. I, like, I, I that agree. is a, more can... so than Beverly Hills Cop. That movie is is perfect. The that only, is a perfect movie. The only other one I was going to bring up that was non comedy, but like I love it when it's somebody who's like either quote unquote like country or out of the, like country in terms of country western type of character or somebody out of the country coming into New York. Coogan's Bluff with Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like, you know, kind of more of a sheriff or kind of a deputy from, you know, southwest U.S. and rolls up to New York and, you know, we don't do things the way you do. And, mm-hmm. uh, New York City. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it, uh, it's such an interesting genre that like has produced some uh, good movies. And and what's funny is like even though this one I think is probably more successful than any of them, I never think of this one. No, no, but uh, let let's talk about that finale real quick because I was I was I was done. I was ready to go get food and do this show, and uh, then the finale happened. And I, I'll tell you, if the, if the preceding ninety minutes had characters that gelled well together, that had good motivations, that had a good plot to serve them, I I might have welled up at that finale. Because it's it's a really beautiful thing of not just two people coming together in a subway, but people helping people. Right. Like it's a in New York City in a subway. Right. No less. It's a beautiful scene, and easily the one the, like the standout of the movie. And it almost it actually I think somewhat redeems the movie. Uh, it's 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 clever. It's different, but it's also a hearkening back to I think classic cinema. Like it's that kind of scene. Right. You know, just just kind of 
just kind of has a little bit of magic to it. You know, it's kind of like when Harry met Sally's last scene. That scene has that same kind of similar magic. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it is it, it, it's such a sweet scene, and it just unfortunately, it's like you said, like because we've had no conflict really in the movie, and we don't really understand how much Mick really likes her or loves her or cares about her. We don't really get the full idea of what what his feelings are. She's it, taking a hell of a chance, right. wouldn't you say? Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what's even more wild, and maybe it was fine we didn't see it, would we don't even see what happens to poor Richard. Like, we don't even get to see her. I like, swear that's a deleted scene. It's got to be. It's got to be. Because, like, for there to be no resolution to that whatsoever, it's just, oh, I got to go get Mick. Oh, God. And she started running in high heels, and I, I was like, God, please let a T-Rex just eat her. <laughs> just, just come out of nowhere. And uh, and I was just waiting for it, too, because I'm like, how many guys are going to harass her on the way to that subway? Just one. Just one. <laughs> and I love, well, I love when she kicks him, because the people that are standing around watching, they completely no-sell it. Right. Like, it's nothing. Like, there's no facial expression whatsoever. But, uh, no, the ending scene's great. Uh, I love it. Um, we were talking about Beverly Hills Cop so much. I thought this was interesting. Uh, originally, part three for Crocodile Dundee was going to be a crossover flick with with Axel Foley and Beverly Hills Cop. Wow! Can you imagine those two? And I, I'm almost morbidly intrigued. I am at too. The thought of those I, two I, characters yes. together. And <laughs> in, in 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 some ways, I'm like, would this? Like, I think of 48 Hours, but it definitely wouldn't be 48 Hours. Like, I, I it's weird trying to imagine it because I also feel like the the that movie would have substantial problems with two guys trying to get over and not wanting to give up right. time to the other guy so much. I feel like that movie would struggle badly in production because of it. Um, it's it's like it's a movie that I, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to seeing, but I'm glad that things turned out the way they did. And Beverly Hills Cop 4 has just been in developmental hell for 20 years, which right. is probably where it's just going to end up staying at this point. Right. Uh, let's be honest. Um, yeah, that, that about does it. Is anything else you want to throw out there for crocodile dundee i don't think so i'm shocked we went this long talking about it to be honest i knew we'd have a conversation on our hands that's why i didn't write too many notes no. too many notes to send you um all right rating time well if you had to rate crocodile dundee one to ten what would you give it i remember i gave i think i gave critters a four so i have to be a little bit i can't say it's as bad as critters because critters really was like the, like i'm i mean because even that subway scene is like that's a really good scene i have i'll give it a five right down the okay. middle five Right down the middle. Um, strictly based on Paul Hogan's performance and his and his uh, his chemistry with um, Linda Kozlowski, I'm going to go with a six on this. I know it sounds, which is really weird because I I have there's more things I don't like about this movie than things that I do, but it's such a good performance. I don't know if it's Golden Globe worthy or Oscar worthy, but uh, he sells it. I buy it. I really like it. I wish I wish he had a better movie to serve him. And I am completely dumbfounded that this is one of the it's not just the highest grossing comedy of 86. This is one of the highest grossing comedies of all time. Yeah. And and one year later, the highest grossing movie of the year would be another comedy. It would be Three Men and a Baby. And that is a oh. movie that I absolutely adore. It's funny. Like, I, I don't even know how you inverse the fish out of water or maybe the water's out of the fish in this type of movie because it's another one where, like, you have people thrown into another a circumstance that they've never, ever conceived of right. or whatever. If they're the fish, then Mary's the water. Like, the, that's... That movie, I compare to this, is a 10 without question. Oh, oh no, no, no. I will, I will say it right now. Three Men and a Baby is a t- it has always been a 10 awesome for me. movie. It yeah. is a fan. It's perfect. It, but 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 that movie being... I, I was thinking about this, man. That movie being number one for the year makes sense to me. Yes. Because you've got Ted Danson, who is the biggest star on television. Right. You've got Magnum P.I. And you've got the guy from the Police Academy movies. And you have an adorable little baby girl. Right. Like, it does... I, I have no if even if that movie was terrible, it would absolutely make sense to me that that movie would be the number one film of the year. I can't figure out Crocodile Dundee to save my life. Right. Yeah. I mean, like when you look at like this is why like movies like Wedding Crashers would hit because you're like, look at Vince Vaughn couldn't be hotter, Owen Wilson couldn't be hotter. Put them together, mega movie. Yeah. That's what and a killer a killer premise. Right. Like a like a really strong premise. Right. With a with and you want to talk about a movie with conflict, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Like that movie. 
constantly gets conflict. It's like this movie, like there's, I don't see any conflict really with Crocodile Dundee. Nothing genuine. There's hardly a plot. Like, like there's really no plot. It's just a series of incidences. <laughs> you remember this from school? Like the the quintessential, um, uh, the quintessential, I guess, image of what if you were to personify what a a plot or a conflict should be. Your protagonist is in a tree. The antagonist in the conflict are throwing rocks at him constantly. That's what for that, ninety minutes. Right. That's what it should be. Except. But, I feel like everyone got the wrong tree. They don't know where Crocodile Dundee is, is sitting because there are no rocks. Well, I'll say I'll say one last thing, that, and I hate to bring wrestling up into this, but it's the John Cena effect. It's very hard for a lot of people, myself included, and especially to relate to a character that doesn't seem to be bothered by anything. Yeah, he doesn't even know what a psychiatrist is or or. Uh, or a shrink. Oh, yep, that's another one of the 80s greatest hits right there. Thank you. That's another yeah. one of those things that you have to bring up in these types of movies. No, you're right. It's just like, oh, well, I've just got my friend Bud or, or whatever the, the hell he said. It's, it's, um, it's, I mean, not, not, he still does amazing work with the character, but at the same time, I'm just like, I, I don't relate to this guy at all. He doesn't even know what day it is. How, how am I supposed to understand a guy who doesn't even know what day it is or what year it is or how old he is? Like he's like a mythical creature. <laughs> it's Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's, so there's a real disconnect there, you know. It's as opposed to something like Three Men and a Baby, where I find little things in me in all three of those male characters. Right. Like every single one, and oh, that movie is so special. Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But, but Crocodile Dundee, not a bad movie, held together purely on performances from the two stars. Um, as I said, a six. Will you gave it a five? Yeah. It's not. It's okay. It's okay. I I wish I loved it. I really do. But yeah, it is what it is, pal. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's uh, that's it. So that'll do it uh, for our September episode of When Did That Come Out? Uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Real Change Pod and. Come back for the next episode where we will be covering October of 1986. We are going to be looking at Martin Scorsese's The Color of Money. I'm very excited to see this. I have never seen this. Oh. So I, I'm, I'm I, a Tom Cruise movie I haven't seen. I know. I'm pumped. Yeah. I, I'm, I've always wanted to see this, man, which I'm also going to watch The Hustler. I, I know you said it doesn't no, matter. No, no. That's cool, though. No, no, no. I think I, that's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I know it's, I know it's one that you really like. In Love the meantime... It. Yep, you got the Twitter handle at Real Change Pod. I am Charlie Stabile at CM underscore Stabs. And I am at William Rinkin 83. And we will see you guys for the next episode. Thanks for checking in.